The question has been asked by intellectuals as well as peasants. Why are we concerned about a book that was written thousands and thousands of years ago? We're living in the 21st century. This book is so archaic. To give heed to something that was relevant back there has no relevance to us today. The big mistake with that statement or question is this, that what the Bible deals with today, uh, then it's dealing with it today. And that is truth. Truth. The Bible is not a book on science, as I have said before, but there are scientific things in the Bible. In studying, I, I came across people who, have you ever looked at some television programs and they say, how to unlock the secrets of the Bible? And, and they have stories about things that are totally, totally opposed to in the scriptures, but they say that they experience it. Or that someone said, this one I, I like, He's, uh, I had a lady back in Toronto, uh, we had an evening service, started at 7 o'clock, and at 6.30 after prayer meeting, she, she came to me and she said, God told me that she want, he wants me to preach and not you. <laughs> so I said, well, unless I wasn't listening, he didn't say anything to me. The Bible can be used for almost anything, anything. Jim Jones used the Bible several years ago to have people cascade into death. Others use the Bible to make money. One religious teacher in a university in another part of the, the world, he teaches theology, but he's an atheist. And, and someone said to him, well, how can you as an atheist teach the Bible? And his answer was, there's money in it. So the Bible, my friends, has come under attack, not in, I know that you and I may want to say, has come under attack in the 1800s when in the Enlightenment started. Or perhaps it started, and we can go on, but the Bible, the attack on the Bible began in the garden. That's where it began, the Garden of Eden. And we're not going to look at that today because I'm not going to deal with the issue of the Bible. Can we trust our Bible? I'm speaking to church people. I am pe speaking to people who have a sense that the Bible is relevant. But everything you believe about the Bible is being challenged today not, it used to be in, in the classrooms. But the man on the street will say to you, that's your opinion. And be sure that you're able to tell them chapter and verses that you can show them when you say certain things. So I want to take a different approach 
to the question, can we trust our Bible? And I want to ask the first question, where did the Bible come from? What's the source of this book we call the Bible? Let me suggest to you, number one, the Bible exists because we serve a speaking God. God speaks. In the book of Genesis, we read, Then God said. He said. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't speaking to the air. He wasn't speaking to, to angels. He was speaking to another person who is able to enter into the divine language. And, and as I was studying this, I, I asked myself, I wonder what language God used. I, I will never know that. Because you see, there is a language that God speaks. The psalmist David said in Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, there was a, an exchange of communication between God the Father, God the Son, Jehovah and Adonai. And they spoke to each other in a language that was only understandable by them. Not even angels understand that language, if you please. Want to be so bold to say. But then when we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God is going to make human beings. And guess what was the first thing he did with them? He spoke to them. They understood now the language that God was speaking to them. When the devil tempted Eve in the garden, and the, the, the devil said to Eve, did God say? Eve said, God said. They understood the language that was spoken. And, and we don't need to ask ourselves whether when we get to heaven, we will understand. I am absolutely sure that we will. And I can give you chapter and verse as well if you want, but I'm quite sure you believe that with me. The word Bible is derived from the Latin word meaning the book. Nothing was written before there was creation. Everything was conveyed by word of mouth. The word was spoken. And then we, 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 we read as time went on, whatever time was before God, that God spoke to his creatures in a language they understood and told them what they were to do and what they were not to do, and they understood that. And all I'm trying to establish at this time, friends, is that God exists, but God is not silent. He communicates. He speaks. In our class this morning, someone asked the question, why did God do this or that? And I had a profound answer. I said, I don't know. <laughs> because, my friends, God has reserved certain things for his own glory. Our glory is to search out what God says. And so I, I, I told them, my favorite verse when it comes to 
understanding beyond my understanding is Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to God. There are things in the mind of God that my mind can never enter into. But when God created human beings, he made them with an understanding to listen to words, to understand words, and to communicate with words. I'll show you in a few minutes when it started to be written. So God is the source because he's a speaking God. He communicates with words. The two great Hebrew words that are used for God said, and I don't need to impress you with them. I'm not a, a Hebrew scholar, but I do use the language from the studies of those who have. And one of those words speak about what is being said. When it says that God said, that's divine fiat. The scripture says, God said, and the next thing we read, it was so. That's divine fiat. God doesn't need anything to develop so that we can come to a conclusion. When he spoke, it happened. The next Hebrew word is the one who is saying what was said. In other words, when it says that God said, there are two ways. God will dictate and God will speak, as we shall see in a minute. So, the Spirit of God, and I'll be speaking about Him in two weeks. The Spirit of God is also the source for the Scriptures. If you want to take a note, 2 Samuel 23, 2. 2 Samuel 23, 2. David is getting ready to depart this world. And he's making his last will and testament to those around him. And he said this. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his words were on my tongue. The Spirit of the Lord if you want to look at that little preposition by, you can translate it, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. And after that, everything that David says from verse 3 of 2, 2 Samuel 23 is something that David could never have derived from himself, as was read from uh, 2 Peter this morning. The Scriptures did not come into view because of the will of man or the imagination of man. What, what David was going to say after he said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me, everything that David had to say came from the Spirit of God. And the Scripture says that the Scriptures are the Scriptures of the Spirit. All Scripture is given by inspiration of His. Just imagine, someone asked a question. Were those who wrote the Bible understood that they were being Controlled by God, yes and no. David knew. David knew that what was about to be said, God was going to use him to say something coming from God. There are other parts of the scriptures when, when a man or a woman uttered something, 
And God was in that thing, but they didn't know that until they looked back and saw, then I understood, then I understood, then I understood. So David was expressing what is known as inspiration. In other words, inspiration is that communication by the Spirit that conveys to a human being the mind and the thought of God. The book we call the Bible is dealing with the mind and the thought of God. That is why it is called His Word. The word scripture means that which is written, that which comes from God. The Bible is divinely inspired because what the Bible has to say from Genesis to Revelation came by the revelation of the Spirit of God. It is not a man-made book. I can see some of your minds saying, yeah, but didn't man write it? Yes and no. <laughs> That's a nice way to get out of the question, isn't it? Can't miss that. Let, let, let me go to the scribes, the scribes. That is the writers of the Bible. The Bible was written by man. Why should I believe it? Only half that statement is true. Let me suggest that God was the first one to introduce writing to human beings. Exodus 31, 18. Exodus 31, 18. There might have been different ways that, that nations communicated at this time, and they did. The, the, the uh, Canaanites and so on had a, a language their own. But writing something as we have it in the Bible was introduced to the human beings by Genesis, uh, by Exodus 31. Let me give you three other passages, very, very important passages. Exodus 32, 15, and 16. Exodus 34, 1 and 28. And Deuteronomy 9 and verse 10. All those, the first one, Moses said, I was in the mountain with God and he gave me the tablets, the law, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, which were written with the fingers of God. Which were written with the fingers of God. In other words, the, the literal, word, literal word there is he engraved it. So in the mind of God, there would be some communication by words, speech, communicating his truth to his people. Moses is confessing that what he brought from the meeting with God was engraved by God. I said before, there are two ways in which God Communicates. He dictates and you write. We have that in Exodus 34, 27. All that 
the text contained, the Lord said to Moses, you will write what I am telling you. And then there are times when God speaks. He doesn't ask for permission or explanation. In Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, he spoke to Adam and Eve and he told them what they were not supposed to do and what they were supposed to do. Jesus said that he came into the world to deliver to the world all the words that God, his Father, gave to him to deliver. So that in the mind of God, communicating with words, writing, and with language was settled before there was time by which men started to do that. I thought of that, I thought of that. In the book of Numbers, God said, I speak to Moses face to face. That's a fantastic verse of scripture. How, how did God speak to Moses face to face when God is spirit? He's a person. But he doesn't have body like you and me. Jesus took on a body when he came into the world. But Moses was conscious of the fact that what was happening to him was, was, was taking place by the action of one who existed, someone who had personality, who had authority, who was wise as he expressed himself to, 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 to Moses in the 34th chapter of Exodus. Without God revealing himself what we're supposed to write, we could not write about God because God had to tell us who he was. We couldn't go up to talk about God and come down. God had to come down. And of course, we read in John's gospel, in the beginning was the word. God speaks and reveals himself through his son. So God wrote the book. And listen, my friends, the text says, the whole word of salvation began to be spoken by the prophets, by the apostles, from Jesus, who got it from God. So that, that when you read this book, you're not reading the idea of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, when Peter tried to change it, Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Don't tamper with what God says. So yes, it is true that man wrote the Bible. But then we have to ask our question, what kind of men were they? What kind of men were they? Some translations in 2 Peter, verse 21 says, holy men of God. Some translations delete that altogether because there are some, trans some of the manuscripts that do not have the word holy. It's not that it's not there, it's implied. Because in verse uh, 17, 16 and 17, Peter said, we did not follow cleverly devised fables. It's not man's idea. So we want to look at the men. The, the men who wrote the Bible are called prophets. Prophets. 
But these men, my friends, are not simply ordinary men in the sense that we think of it. You know, someone is going to write a play, and so he goes into the corner and decides to write and spend time in the mountain. Uh, Rabbi Zachariah just finished uh, writing a book called The Logic of God. And, and for the logic of God, he, he isolated himself in another part of the world and wrote. Uh, John Piper is writing another one on the sovereignty of God, I think. And they, they just isolate themselves. This, this is not this kind of an idea. Prophets were men chosen by God for that purpose. Let, let, let me give you a few chapters. Luke chapter 1, verse 17 Holy, his holy prophet. His holy prophets. Holy men, the men who wrote were holy men. We'll talk about that in a minute. Acts chapter 3, verse 21. His holy prophet. Again and again, they were men who were separated from the domination of sin, even though they were sinners. Because God was going to uniquely use them to communicate to the church, to the world, the mind of God, written. Written. Now, now, there's a lot more to this than I'm saying, and we do not have time to finish. If you have questions, feel free to give me a call. I shall be happy to answer them. They were different Men from different backgrounds. In one place you had an economist writing. Another place you had a doctor writing. Another place you had a farmer writing. Uh, unique. Uh, in, in, in the, all these men had one thing in common. They were separated by God for the purpose. God did not do away with their minds. But their minds were not in control of what they were doing as we read in 2 Samuel. So the character of these men, first of all, when they were writing, they were men of upright character. They were not trying to deceive people. They were not writing trying to make people believe because they were saying. And Paul made that very clear. In 2 Corinthians 4, he said, we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus. Because the word that they're speaking comes from God. Now, if they were men of character, how were they kept from giving their own ideas into this book? <laughs> Said to the class this morning, we're talking about John being um, um, exiled on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God. And I said, I'm going to tell you, if John was simply writing on his own accord, <laughs> he wouldn't write this book. David, if David were writing on his own accord, he wouldn't, he wouldn't write this book. Because David would be ashamed and embarrassed to tell you what he did with Bathsheba. And what he did to his children. No. The uniqueness of this book. So how were they kept from it? This is where we come to 2 Peter. The scripture says, men moved. That word moved in the Greek means to be carried along. 
to be carried along, to be hemmed in. They were able to use their minds, but their minds did not create what they were writing. They spoke under the condition of being controlled by the Spirit. And when they were controlled by the Spirit, God imparted His truth to them and they wrote. That's why it says, we did not follow cleverly created things in order to write. And you can look back, my friends, on, on, on Confucius, or you can look back on, on the Mormon religion. There's a man who decided that he was going to go and find out what God has to say, and God said it to him. None of these men writing the Bible went into a corner to see how they could argue with God about what he was going to say or to receive from God. God chose them sovereignly to write his word, and they were under his control when they wrote. Listen to this. The prophets of old did not, did their utmost, I'm sorry, their utmost, to discover and obtain this salvation. This is in 1 Peter 1, 11 and 12. They did not find it. But they prophesied of this grace that has now come to you. They tried hard to discover, listen to this, to what time or what sort of circumstances the spirit of Christ working in them was referring The prophets, even those who wrote the Old and the New Testament, were trying to understand what does this mean? How does this? And the scripture says, listen, it was the Spirit of God working in them, relating to them, releasing to them, so that what they were writing, they were not writing under their own steam. And you will see, this is so different than people who say today, the Lord told me. Because one of the things you will not find, and I'll say it in a minute, you do not find contradictions in the Bible. You find hard sayings, but not contradictions. And hard sayings will soon be understood if we give ourselves time. I'll say something about that in a minute. So, it was these very matters which have been made plain to you by those who preach the gospel. So, the gospel came from the apostles of Jesus who received it from Jesus who was given it by God. So that when we talk about the gospels, in fact, this is why the, one of the things... Unfortunately, the Roman Catholic Church, if, if you come from that background or if you look at uh, channel or whatever it, they're on, you will find that whenever they read the Gospels, they have more reverence for the Gospels than they have for the Epistles because they believe that the Epistles are writing about man talking about God while the Gospel is Jesus talking. And uh, that's not really true because what the Epistles have to say is what the Gospels are saying. So, there we have the control of men. That is how it happened. 
And I'll say something else about that in a few minutes. And a few minutes I have. Let's look at the content of the righteous. The content. Look at verse 21 again. No prophecy. That is the content. That is what, what is being said. The substance. No prophecy is of one's personal interpretation. The word is not how you explain there. It means that it does not come from someone who was contemplating and came to conclusion in his mind, and then he made a remark. He's not talking about explanation there. He's talking about what's going on in the mind. It's like people who try to give you the significance of the five loaves and two fish, or the amount of fish that Peter caught when their boats could not hold them. You, you'd be surprised what, what theological lessons come out of some of these things. Totally imagine. Totally imagine. And by the way, that's, that's, those are some of the things that uh, Brown referred to in the Da Vinci Code. Things that contradicted itself that has nothing to do with scriptures. The content then. Listen. This, please listen to this. Four, five things about the content. One, Jeremiah 1, 9. I have put my words in your mouth. Exodus 4, 12. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. Three, Deuteronomy 18, 18. I will put my words in your mouth. Four, Galatians 1, 11 and 12, the gospel I preach to you is not human invention. No man gave it to me. No man taught it to me. It came to me direct from Jesus Christ, for you have heard of my past, what I used to do. It's a great word. Number five, John 17, Jesus is praying to his father, the words you gave me I have given to the men you have given to me. Please allow me to finish this. The stamina of the Bible. The stamina. I mean that the Bible has had to stand against the assault from the garden. Uh, when I got back from Portland last night, uh, I, was, I was exhausted. I was tired because I was afraid I was going to run into that um, march down in Portland. But thankfully, I did not. But uh, it, was, it was a grueling day. Uh, in, in that sense. But I came across John MacArthur talking. Um, he was at a conference and he was talking about the assault on the Bible and he gave about 10 things that's assault in the Bible. I don't have one of them, by the way, because I was finished my studies long before watching John MacArthur last night. But I want to suggest three or four things that the Bible has stood the time with. One, against time against time. Please listen. 66 books. 40 different writers. No contradiction. 40 different writers completed over 1,500 years. And God was able 
to connect the dots so that when Daniel was in prison reading the book of Jeremiah, he came across the fact that God said, 70 years you'll be in Babylon. And Daniel said, oh, this is it. This is it. No, no contradiction at all. Daniel understood why they were in captivity because they were able to go back to the scripture and say it. He said it 70 years before and before that. They never consulted with one another. They didn't put their heads together. The Holy Spirit kept them connecting the, the dots and they were able to, to stand against time that time did not diminish the potency and the accuracy and the completedness of God's word. That's all I'm going to say about that. They stood against what I call transition. The Bible is not affected by the changing times. The writers identified people and places that existed at the time of writing. When you read the story of Christ's birth, he said, when this was written, this emperor was reigning, this Caesar was reigning. Luke talks about places that are extant today in the Bible. If it were not true, my friends, people could easily say that didn't happen then. But I want to suggest to you that Scholars outside of the Bible identify the places of which the Bible speaks. At one point, nobody believed that, that Pilate existed. And all of a sudden, Pilate was discovered because the only book that spoke about Pilate in that sense at the time it was known until later on that Pilate... Uh, I never, I'll never forget um, when, when we were expecting our first child. Um, I was still in college and... Uh, I was studying Egyptian history. And a word that was not known to most people except in the Bible is the word Canaanites, Canaan. Nobody could find anything literature dealing with the word Canaanites. The only place it was used was in the Bible. And so you know what the conclusion was? Then it's not true because the Bible says it and nobody can believe that book. So... I took my wife to the, to the hospital getting ready. And so every time, every time they would, they would uh, Lois would go into labor, they would kick me out of the room. And every time they kicked me out of the room, I was reading Egyptian history. Because <laughs> I had a test coming up and I had to be prepared for it. So all of a sudden I came across this, how the Canaanites were discovered. There's a, something called Tells, T-E-L-L-S. Tells is like a mountain. And as archaeologists started to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, all of a sudden they discovered the civilization of the Canaanites. See, the Canaanites were nomadic people. And they moved from place to place. So there was nothing. And all of a sudden, now we know that they did exist. And, and just tremendous People with, with, with all kinds of behavior that God had to tell his people, when you go into the land, don't practice what they're practicing. But nobody believed it. The Bible discovered it. The Bible spoke about it. So the transitions of history did not affect 
the Bible, let me tell you what's happening today, and I'll be just brief with this one, that people are changing the scriptures today to suit the times. And this, this started way back, 25, 30 years ago, if you please. You may not have heard of, of the Oxford University Press Inclusive Language New Testament. The Inclusive Language New Testament. In order to make the Bible appeal to what is acceptable intellectually, they changed. Listen to, listen to the changes they made. I'll just jump over so I can get to it right away. In the majestic opening of John's gospel, the glory he has from the, from the, from the Father as the only Son of the Father. The glory he has from the Father as the only... The glory he has from the Father as the only Son of the Father has become the glory of a parent's only child. Two, the Lord's Prayer begins with this. Our Father... And they have said, to make it inclusive, to say, our father, mother. Jesus' own self-understanding of God's only son as generalized to, no one knows the child except the father, mother. Avoiding another traditional phrase, son of man, the Oxford text reads, then they will see the human one coming in the clouds with great power and glory. The Bible has stood against that. Friends, the Bible as we know it, the texts from the original language, the original text, 44 million Bibles are sold every year. When was the last time you, brought, you bought a copy of the Elliot's? What was the last time you bought a copy of Caesar's Travel? Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Forever, forever, O Lord, your word is settled. God's word does not change with things. Let me quickly say this. These, this is why we can trust the Bible. This is why we can trust it. The first voice against slavery was not a political voice, but a biblical one. It was first established in the year 370 by the Bishop of Nassau. And listen to why he said slavery is wrong. Slavery is not wrong because human beings should treat human beings with respect. He said if every man is made in the image of God, we dishonor God by enslaving another human being. Where did that come from? Genesis chapter 1. God made them female and he made them in his image. That's why the Bible is relevant. William Wilberforce, he fought day and night so that Britain would do away with this ugly thing called slavery. What was his motivation? The Bible. The Bible. Martin Luther King. You know, I don't agree with a lot of things that man did. 
but his motivation to stand as he did, he got it from the Bible. That's why he wasn't afraid even to die. When you may have heard of what is known as the, the Jubilee celebration. Anyone in here knows about the Jubilee celebration? One person at the back there, two people at the back there. The Jubilee celebration some 25, 30 years ago, don't even know how long ago, where the rich countries were going to forgive the debt of all the poor countries. That was, that was the gist of it. Now they have, they have gone into different ways today, but everything comes from this. When the exchequer, who is like someone of the secretary of the treasury here in the United States, when he was about to make the speech concerning Britain forgiving the debt of the nations, you know where he went to? Isaiah chapter 61. Because in the Bible, God speaks to the inequalities of life and how they are to be adjusted. I, I leave, well, no, I leave one more. The phrase inalienable, inalienable rights found in the, the de Declaration of Independence of the United States. Do you know where that came from, friends? It came from the fact that God made each one in his image and whatever rights God gives, man should not take away. As the rest would say, remember that if man gives you your inalienable rights, man is able to take it away. But God gave it. And lastly, and this means lastly, you know, somebody said to a minister, whenever he said this is the last, it last and last and last and last. I get this from Dr. Amy Orr Irving, uh, Ewing, sorry. Brilliant, brilliant scholar, Amy uh, Ewing, works with Rabbi Zacharias. She said, the Bible is a controversial book that evokes both devotion and derision. It has inspired some of the greatest thinkers this world has ever known and attracted the equal amount of hostility by others. It takes a central role in any study of Western civilization and touches the most unlikely souls. This is what I wanted to get to. The Bible has been the subject of wild predictions. In the 18th century, the French atheist philosopher Voltaire said this, and I quote, Another century, and there will not be a Bible on the face of the earth. In less than 50 years, the house in which he said that became the headquarters where the Bible Society printed Bibles. My friends, there are lots of things like Billy Graham and others I don't understand in the Bible, but I believe because God, who cannot lie, said it. And he has given me some things to learn in time and some things to anticipate their understanding unfolding beyond time. Paul says, now we know in part. But the Bible says that. The Bible is not afraid to say you are limited when you come to this book because it is written for this one purpose, that you might know God's salvation and live with a hope for glory.
And apart from that, my friends, there's no other book that gives to the world what we enjoy in this country apart from the Bible. And this is the Bible that is under attack from many, many, many today. Help us, Lord, to receive from your word the instruction we need to live lives that are pleasing to you and lives that will benefit the communities in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen.